0: This is Father Aaron Williams with another podcast. If you like listening to these podcasts, please subscribe and leave a good rating on iTunes. Also, share them with your friends and check out the other great podcasts available through the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations. Just visit JacksonPriest.com. That's Jackson Priest with an S.com. Here is my homily from the ninth Sunday after Pentecost in the Extraordinary form, given at St. Jude Catholic Church in Pearl, Mississippi, on the 11th of August, 2019. Behold, God is my helper, and the Lord is the protector of my soul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of my favorite books on the Mass is The Mass in Slow Motion by Monsignor Ronald Knox. In the book, he gives a consideration of the 42nd Psalm, which we recite before each Mass in the extraordinary form as part of the prayers at the foot of the altar. The Psalm ends with the speaker pleading to his own soul to be of good courage before going to face God at the altar. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so full of lamentation? Put your trust in God, who is my champion and my God. Now, Knox gives an interesting consideration of that title of God as champion. He notes that the literal meaning of this phrase is the Savior of my face. God is the one who saves face for us. Here we are gathered in waiting before the Father enthroned, and each of us have come as rebels. Each of us are guilty, and it is written all over us. Christ presents himself as the champion, as the one who is going to vouch for us so we can save face. See all these people, Father, they are my friends, and they are going to come up to your altar. So the speaker in the 42nd Psalm is urging the soul to be joyful and put hope in Christ because he is going to defend our cause before the Father, or in the words of the introit, Behold, God is my helper, and the Lord is the protector of my soul. We need that sort of courage if we are going to address the real message of today's readings. In most Sundays, the Church gives us images of Christ's miracles, or His moral teaching, or some other aspect of His ministry from which we can derive a lesson. Today is less of a lesson and more of a warning. In both the Epistle and the Gospel, we are reminded that the chosen people were not spared judgment on account of their status. Being the chosen people wasn't enough to save them. None of the original generation that fled Egypt in Exodus ever made it into the promised land, not even Moses. And in the gospel, we are positioned centuries later in in Israel's history, and still they have not fully converted to the Lord. Therefore, they will not be spared. And Christ weeps over this. If thou only hast known what things would bring thee peace this day, but now they are hidden from from thine eyes. Of course, he speaks knowing the passion that awaits him. He is the peace that comes to them, but they were blind to his coming, and for this they received judgment, not merely in the cleansing of the temple, which we hear in the gospel, but by the fact that the temple and the whole city were destroyed by the Romans just a few decades later. It's really a thought-provoking image when you stand on that hillside overlooking Jerusalem where our Lord stood for this gospel. There's a small chapel there today, the Dominus Flavi, the Lord wept, When you stand to offer Mass at the altar in this chapel, the priest and the faithful both stare out a grate in the wall, which opens out to a view of the former Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where now there stands the Muslim Dome of the Rock. I remember standing there and hearing the sounds of the Islamic call to prayer echo through the hills and recalling these verses. The day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and straighten thee on every side, and beat thee flat to the ground, and thy children who are in thee, and they shall not leave in thee a stone upon a stone." And of course, he could say the same thing of us today. We who live in a society where party membership determines moral values or dictates our understanding of good governance, how many of us, for instance, when we hear of the horror of another mass shooting or of these ice raids in our own community, are more quickly drawn to the party answer than to considering what real Christian morality dictates. It's how the mass media responds. There's a shooting in a supermarket, people are killed, And our emphasis is immediately on which lawmaker is or is not to blame. If thou only hast known what things would bring thee peace this day, but now they are hidden from thine eyes. Even in the church today, we hear of three-fourths of Catholics not believing in the real presence of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, and the first question is, who or what is to blame? My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. The remedy is to take the advice of Psalm 42 put your trust in God who is my champion and my god now what do i mean by that what i mean is that if we are to truly provide a christian response to the issues of our day then we have to place confidence in the answers christ provides maybe the law requires us to pick a side when we register to vote but the catholic is not a party man he is a catholic he belongs to christ Our presence tonight is already a response to this sort of thinking. It's no secret that, very regrettably, the extraordinary form of the Mass has become very politicized in the Church today. It's either accepted or rejected on the basis of the sort of people and the sort of values that are found in those who usually attend this form of the Mass. But at some point... Someone had to say that this form of the Mass is not contrary to Catholic teaching. It is certainly not damaging to the soul, and it is perfectly legitimate in the Church, and thus it should be celebrated freely. This is the sort of equation that we have to make when we consider our response to these mass shootings or the issue of legal and illegal immigration. What is and is not contrary to the faith? Make Christ our champion, not the party or the individual or the cause. Make Christ our champion. And admittedly, our society doesn't make that easy, in large part because when we side with certain ways of doing things, we often become misrepresented by onlookers, just as many people very sadly misrepresent our attendance at this mass tonight as disobedience to the Holy Father or promoting clericalism or anything like that. We know that is not factual, and so does Christ, who is our champion. It is he who will save our face. We should have the same boldness in promoting truth in society as well. Put your trust in God, who is my champion and my God.